0: It's that time again, another brand new episode of Learning As I Go, sponsored by British Triathlon. Big shout out to anyone who signed up to do the race with me on the 29th of July. This is going to be one hell of a day. But today I'm introducing a guest who I've been thinking about for a very long time because I know that there are so many layers this girl. You might recognize her from X Factor, Hits Radio, Saturday Night Takeaway, Rant and Deck. Today I'm introducing Fleur East, but not the Fleur East that you've heard of before today i'm going to show a completely different side to her this is going to be one special episode so please sit back relax and get ready to learn so many different life lessons with fleur east Honestly, talk about being happy. I'm so happy that you finally made it in yes. uh, to the studio because I've had my eye on you for a long time now. And I don't know if you get sick and tired of talking about this, but I remember the exact moment of where I was <laughs> when I watched that performance of you on X Factor when it, with the Uptown Funk run, right? Yes. I literally, I'm not lying to you, I know I was a bit hungover, I've been <laughs> on a bit of a mad night out, and I was watching, and my, I've got goosebumps now, It was that moment you go, who is that? And what's just happened? (laughs) Do you understand? There's not many moments in life. There's another X Factor audition. I think James Arthur, when he did Mm. that one, those two ones stand out for me. But I just remember going, oh my God, who is this girl? And then to see your career after that, like, was that as special to you as it was for me, seeing you on X Factor?
1: Yeah, it was, um, it's funny because a lot of people obviously only saw me on X Factor for the first time. And that's how most people have been introduced to me. But I've done, I did so much like in the industry before X Factor, I was like singing as a backing vocalist. I was touring, I used to tour with DJ Fresh for like two years, all around the world. And used to do like backing vocals for Rita Ora, Miss Dynamite and no way, so Rizzle that, Kicks. And, so you,
0: that's what I was gonna talk about because you were 26 when you went on to X Factor. Yeah, exactly. So before that, you were a serious musician, mm. like trying to get into the industry for, for many years. I know you did X Factor before that as well in yes. 2005 in a girl band, <laughs> Yeah. but talk to me about the hustle then. What was the dream from being a kid? Was it always to be a singer?
1: Yeah, it was always to be a singer. Like my, my parents used to play music in the house every single day. And then they used to play music through headphones on my mum's stomach when she was pregnant with me. And they said one of the earliest memories is me at the age of two singing in the back of my dad's car. And so I was just always, always singing. It was just in my blood from as early as I can remember. So I knew I always wanted to do that, but I didn't know like how realistic it was. Do you know what I mean? Like I was Mm -hmm. like, there's no one around me that's done it. So most people like I would tell at school, for example, oh yeah, I want to sing and they go, ah, yeah, yeah along with the millions of others that want to sing, yeah, mm-hmm. good luck, you know, it was like, what makes you think that you're going to be? It's so know, funny someone. you say
0: that, because I was in the complete different predicament. My dad was actually a soul singer. Yes, So yeah. I was brought up in, in my family, so it feels quite normal for me. But mm. like you said, as a kid growing up, you must've thought it was so out of reach.
1: Yeah, because usually when you speak to a lot of singers, they'll go, oh yeah, my dad was in a band, or my mom was like, and, no, neither of them played any instruments. They both claimed they could sing when they were younger, but I'm like, where does your vocal talent just disappear to? Like, as you get I'm older, <laughs> it's like, you can't sing now. So yeah, it's quite rare because yeah, I didn't see anybody else do it before me, not even in my family, so.
0: So how did you go about trying to chase your dream then? What were like the stepping stones And so Did you go to, a, um, you went to um, a college, didn't you? So no, I
1: just kind of went to regular school, regular right. sixth form. And then I just joined like after school clubs, like free clubs they used to run in in Walthamstow, big up the Walthamstow crew, E17. And uh, we used to just go after school and like write songs and sing and just kind of gain our confidence Mm. in what we were doing, but it wasn't like professional. I didn't go to like performing arts school or anything like that. I just always knew that I could, I I could, I I don't know, get the experience I needed without Mm. having to go to to a college I was like I need to just be out there doing it Mm. and so that's what I did I was just singing everywhere any chance I could get
0: here's a question for you how did you know if you were any good because (laughs) like most good singers they don't actually think they're that good it's the ones who aren't good who tend to think they're amazing yeah yeah yeah. but was like when did you start to believe that you could actually that you actually had the ability to be a singer like
1: it took me a long time Mm. I'll be honest because I used to just sing on my own like in my bedroom and upstairs with the door shut. I didn't sing for other people. It was kind of like a secret almost, Mm. like something I kept to myself. And then my mum and dad used to always hear me in my room and they would encourage me. And it was like, anytime we had a family meal or anyone come around the house, it would always end with, come on Fleur, give us a song. And I used to dread that moment because I hated singing in front of anybody. And so I had moments where I'd have to like go in another room and sing for everyone or, I'd have to like face the back of the room because I couldn't look in anyone's face to wow. sing.
0: That's so mad knowing you now.
1: Yeah, I was just, I was so shy. And my dad used to go, well, how do you think you're going to be a singer then if you, if you can't even sing in front of us? And I used to say, just put me in front of the right person and I'll do it. And somehow I just knew that deep down, if I was in the right position, I'd be able to deliver. And I don't know why. That's
0: so funny because one other moment that really stands out for me was we went to this awards not long ago and we mm. were sat at the same table. And you had to go up and perform. And I was thinking, right, I'm going to come to the front and give us some support because, like, (laughs) it's going to be a tough crowd. Yeah. But, wow, you had everybody up singing, dancing, all these people in suits. Like, Mm. you just completely changed the room. And my dad used to always talk about people being great singers and performers. But you say, you've just got it you either have it or you don't have mm. it. And you just got it like in like bucket loads. And it's so funny how those little moments when you were a kid being pushed into those little situations, they're all like confidence boosters. Yeah. But what are you saying to yourself when you go into a room up on stage like that with a tough crowd, where do you get the confidence from? What, what do you say to yourself?
1: I don't know. It's a weird one because I remember that day though. That was hilarious. Thank <laughs> you. You were like my number one supporter at <laughs> on the front. I was like, yes, come on. Um, I think I go into a different mode when I'm on stage. I'm not who I am. I kind of just put on like some invisible armor and just tell myself, oh, now you're like Florese the singer. And I'm not just regular me in the day-to-day life. So I just get on there and something, I just transform. I don't know what it is. It's Mm. like as soon as the music starts.
0: Michael Jackson was apparently like
1: that. Yeah. It's just like
0: changes. I
1: don't know. I don't know how to explain it. And that's why... Like the reaction you had, a lot of people when I tell them that genuinely I was shy and I'm not someone who gets up in front of everyone and starts singing and and performing. I'm not that kind of person. Mm -hmm. But it's quite a shock to people because when they do see me on stage, that's where I come alive. I'm like a different person. And people assume that that's me off stage as well. But Mm
0: -hmm. that's not really what I'm like all the time. But this industry is relentless. Mm. And the fact that, I love the fact you were like, you almost a bit defensive. Like, Scott, like X Factor was not just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's almost, and I feel for you because even for me, it's like I took so long trying to get away from Love Island. Scott Thomas from Love Island. I've done so many more yeah. things, business, done my life. And I, I'm guessing with you, it's, and I didn't really want to start with it because it's so like cliche and you are so much more than that. But at the same time, it's, it's those moments sometimes that kind of people, like best know what's oh, for. Oh yeah, like, but yeah. In, in actual fact, it's all those little moments, those little bumps in the road that kind of get you to where you are. But talk me through like some of the, the knockbacks in life that you've had and how you feel like they've made you grow.
1: Mm. Like for me, I, I kind of like, like you said, there's like that thing of, oh, oh, from X Factor or whatever. But I genuinely, I don't feel like bitter at all towards that because mm. Although there was so much that happened before then, I completely understand that no one would have even known who I was before X Factor. It was such a huge platform. And I wouldn't even be doing half the things. I mean, I wouldn't be doing half the things I'm doing today Mm. if it wasn't for that show. So it was just like the platform I needed at that time. But yeah, Mm. leading up to that, I think I tried every avenue that you can try as, as an aspiring singer. I was in so many girl bands. I can't even name them all. You could probably find some one archive one addictive, footage, Addictive, addictive Ladies addictive was one.
0: Ladies,
1: yeah. I mean, I was in so many, Madam Butterfly, Trinity Bliss, um, all these, all these Brown Sugar was another one. These are the ones I can remember, but I'm sure there was so cause many Cause that was others. the Timely Girl Band. Yeah. Was it like? yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's funny because looking back now, I didn't realize at the time, but looking back now, I saw that there was like strength in numbers. I kind of wanted people around me cause I wasn't confident enough to do it on my own. So I was always just getting all my friends to be in girl groups with me. Mm. And there would be a few few times and instances along the way where people were like, why don't you just do this by yourself? Like we can see that you love it so much. Why are you not just going alone? Mm. And I just didn't believe that I could ever do it by myself. I just wasn't confident enough. But then I finally broke away from the girl groups. And then I signed to like an independent dance label. I was releasing songs on my own. I was writing, recording, doing demos that, didn't get picked up. I was going up and down the country performing. I remember going to gigs where there was like 10 people mm. in the audience. And I remember saying to my booking agent at the time, I mean, is there any point in me actually going on now? You know, it was like moments like that. And, and he was like, it's up to you. Oh. <laughs> he was like, You're going to get paid anyway, but it's up to you. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I saw every opportunity as practice for whenever that golden moment would arrive. And I feel like X Factor was that, that golden moment. It was the platform that I needed. I had all the tools that I could possibly have in my locker. I had so much experience mm. performing on stages all over the world. And now finally was my moment to mm. shine. So I was ready and the timing was, was perfect.
0: Mm. It's interesting because we hear it all the time, don't we? Like do a really good job with whatever's in front of you mm. and focus on the present i focus on the journey is the big saying, right? When everyone's always focusing on getting to the top and everything else. When in actual fact, would you say that you loved the journey? You loved the the craft? Because for example, in business, Mm. I talk about this quite a lot on my podcast. I'm a businessman. Uh, And I say it like that because it doesn't set me alive talking about KPIs, finances, everything else. This though sets me alive. This right now is like, I'm perfecting my craft. I'm like... Okay, I know that this is my stepping stone to one day, hopefully, I don't know, presenting a big show or something mm. like that. Whereas the business part of it is like, I get what you're saying, but I don't necessarily enjoy the, the day-to-day hustle of that. And I'm friends who do, mm. but with singing, because it's a passion, did it just always feel just like flow for you?
1: Yeah, I've, I have <laughs> I, am a big fan of the hustle. Yeah. Um, almost to the point where my mom has had to tell me several times like, Fleur, you're not a robot. <laughs> like you can't do everything. But I will look at the hours in the day and I go, how many things can I fit in there? And I almost love the hard work element of anything I do. Like, mm. I'm not afraid of hard work. I feel like I enjoy the reward so much more mm. because I've had to work for it. Mm. I've never had anything come easily to me. And I wouldn't really want it any other way, to be mm. honest with you. Like, Cause now I look back and I reflect a lot. Like me and my husband do a good job of like sitting down and reflecting on where we've come and what we've achieved. And a lot of the time I'll just go, wow, I remember, for example, doing that gig where there was like 10 people there and no one could even care less what I was doing on that stage. Mm -hmm. Fast forward and, you know, I'm touring and doing shows on, you know, in arenas Mm -hmm. and selling records to millions of people. And yeah, I don't take any of that for granted. And I think, even more so because I've had to work so hard for it. I feel yeah. like if it came easily to me, I wouldn't have the same appreciation for it. So I I love working
0: hard. Yeah, it makes sense. I think like someone said before, if you wanted a six pack, for example, mm. and someone could say, click your fingers, now you'll have the six pack. The chances of you appreciating that six pack or even keeping it yeah. is very kind of slim. I get what you mean. And also like recently I've been having a really tough time in, with one of my businesses. Cause it's something I've not done before. It's on a mm. different scale and I'm trying to build something really big. And I'm like, and it's tough. And I'm saying, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And this is where you level up and grow. The reason why I asked the question is, I feel like when you're doing something that you genuinely love and passionate about, it does make it easier. So for yeah. example, I, on this podcast, I was doing this podcast on Zooms about a year ago. <laughs> and now I'm sat in this beautiful like oh, studio in Boodles and, and interviewing guests of mm. your caliber. And I've hustled to get here, but it's like, it just feels like flow for me. And it's just, for me, it's like, do you ever go into realms that don't really make you tick? And do you, are you good at saying no to things that you don't really enjoy?
1: Yeah, I've got better at that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a period in the hustle when you're trying to make it that you feel like if you say no, you're missing out on a huge opportunity and you can't really ever differentiate between the two like you kind of go no I need to do everything and I need to say yes to everything otherwise I don't know this could be huge for me and I can't miss out and then you get to a point well if you're fortunate enough you get to a point where you're like actually I'm all right I don't need to be doing everything
0: mm. I can
1: evaluate it when I can go actually yes I'll do this or no I won't do that and I feel like especially with singing for me it was always a love and a passion of mine mm. just because I enjoyed it And it was just something I'd never thought of as a business or a career in that sense. I just wanted to do something I loved every day. And then as soon as I got into the music industry and I became a product Mm. and it was about numbers and how many records I was selling and how much money I was making a label and all of that side, I really,
0: really didn't enjoy. Oh, that makes sense. But it's just something you said then, like if you were gonna follow something for money, and for the business element, it definitely wouldn't be singing because no. as a kid, it's probably the most unpredictable <laughs> yeah. and like challenging like industry to go into. So then when you've actually got there for a place of passion and love and following what you love and then for it to be turned into mm. a business. Talk to me about how that affected your love for what you were doing and in the industry.
1: Yeah, it, it, it definitely taints it mm. for sure, because you come into it and when you're younger, you're quite naive and you just think, Oh, I'll get to sing. Like, you know, when I when I achieve my dreams, I'll get to sing in front of millions and it'll be so much fun and mm. I'll just sing and write and it would just be a breeze. Mm. And then you get there and you sign a record deal and then suddenly you owe all this money to this huge corporation. Is that because
0: they advance you, is that Yeah. That? Right.
1: And then you have all this pressure of like, oh, I need to sell a certain amount of records and you can feel the energy change with like the company, you can feel the shift like when you're not pushing the numbers they expect from you or like when you're going into meetings and they are talking about chart positions and streaming numbers and things like that and then it starts to become really calculated and then there's been many times where I've got to the position where I just think, I just wanted to do this to sing and now I'm like looking at charts and figures and I'm worried about what chart position I'm in Mm. and I didn't come into this game to do that and I feel like A lot of the people, there's a misconception when you get, I don't know, a certain level of fame or you have a certain profile Mm. that people think you got into this industry for that. Mm. And I always say, if you get into this game for fame or money, Mm. get out because it's impossible to stay in it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. What do you mean to stay relevant, to stay famous? No, to just even stay in it, like to have the mental capacity to keep pushing Uh, forward. Because if you don't have a genuine love or a passion for what you're doing, money and fame is not enough to keep you in it. Uh. No way. It's too, too hard. It's like, it's such a precious thing. And for example, writing songs, like you pour your heart and soul into it. And then in three minutes, someone will go, oh, that's rubbish.
0: Oh my God. I just watched Lewis Capaldi's <laughs> documentary. You've seen it? Oh my
1: Netflix. gosh. I haven't seen it yet, but I need to
0: watch but that. But honestly, he, he's feeling the pressure as well. Mm. <laughs> and he plays, he writes this beautiful song and I'm thinking it's amazing. And then he goes and plays it to his mum and dad. And his mum and dad, and I thought it was a joke, <laughs> just went, shit. And I was like, "Wow, well, this is ruthless. But there he's like, I don't know, his biggest supporters, but also his biggest critics. But I was like, that's it's, tough. it's something so personal mm. that you put out there to the world. And then for it to be judged it must be really difficult. And especially if it's not even being given the opportunity because they might not think it's relevant or oh, oh, good enough. Yeah.
1: And it's so competitive as well that mm. I always tell anybody like aspiring singers or anybody who wants to get into like entertainment or anything like that. I always say, think about why you're doing it first. Like, do you have a genuine passion and love for it? Because that's the only thing through all the rejection and all of the difficult times, that's the only thing that's going to keep you in the game and keep mm. you focused. Mm. If I didn't have a genuine love and passion for music, for presenting or anything like that, I would have left this industry a long time ago. Mm.
0: No, I feel you now. And you've talked before about being put on the shelf. I think you mm. were with Psycho, weren't yes. you? Um, Simon Cowell's record label. Talk to me about that. Because for me, I, I kind of, again, draw a little bit of a connection because obviously I did Love Island in mm. 2016. Mm. And, and you blow up and you're super famous overnight and you're getting all these deals and everything else. And then within the space of a year, the new series comes on and they've got more followers, Mm -hmm. more deals, getting paid better money. And then it's year after year and you just basically, um, you're watching this kind of unfold. And The guy um, who won my series, Nathan Massey, he Mm -hmm. talks about Toy Story and the film and basically how Woody gets put on the On the shelf. And he says, that's how he felt like a toy that no one wanted anymore. How do you stay strong when you see these new ones coming in? And also, how do you stay like kind of, because jealousy is not a good place to be mm. or envious. Mm. How do you stay true to yourself and not get wrapped up in that competitive nature?
1: Again, I think it goes back to what I said before, mm. because everything's so fickle and it's so fleeting. And like you said, next year, next people are, are coming in mm. and it's like a conveyor belt. Mm. You're relevant one minute, next minute, it's onto the next. And like I said, if you're chasing that fame, and that validation, you won't stay in it for very long. Mm-hmm. You won't be able to stay strong because you don't have a compass. You don't have, like, you don't have a clear path that you're focused on because mm-hmm. you're too, too worried about, oh, no, I need to still be relevant. Oh, I need to. And that's not why you should be doing this. You should have a grounding in your passion and your love for it. And I think that is genuinely what has kept me in it. It's been very difficult, and especially after X Factor, because. Like I said, all of the journey I'd been on leading up to that, I was like, finally, I'm here. I've made mm. it, I'm, I'm signed, like, this is it. This is all I've ever dreamed about. And then a year in, after my album had like blown up, singles gone crazy mm. and it's everywhere. And I'm thinking, this is it, like, this is it. I'm finally, I'm finally living the dream, like the cliche. And then nothing, nothing's happening. There were moments where I was like, I'm in studio sessions every single day and I'm being told constantly that what I'm producing isn't good enough. And I'm just like, what do I do with this? Like, I thought I'd made it. I thought this was the dream. And I quickly realised that it wasn't as easy as maybe naively I thought it was going to be. And also that, like you said, there's, there's a new talented person every single day. There are millions of people. I think hard work is the only thing that, that will push you through.
0: Do you think there's levels to everything though? So it's almost like you think, for example, you hit a point and you're the best at what you do to get to that point. Mm. But then when you get to the next kind of level, it's almost like there's levels and levels above that (laughs) where you now have to become even even better at your craft or even more kind of, uh, I don't know, more skilled. It's like Mm. this, I noticed that because it's almost like that, I think it's called Olympic medal, syndrome or something Mm. like that where the olympic medalists win the trophy and or the medal sorry Mm. and then they get there and they're almost like is that it and i i saw it recently within myself where i did his body transformation thing i got there i I saw that i grafted yeah grafted to get there and i got there and i was like i was like almost i was a little bit lost for a little period of time and then i had to set myself a new goal again do you understand what i mean yeah i do yeah and i just feel like that level of the industry that you got to, to then compete in that one, did you feel Mm. like you had to level up again?
1: Yeah, I always say that (laughs) like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm. That's like one of my favorite quotes because-
0: Say that again, just so I've got it.
1: Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard.
0: Oh, I like it.
1: Because there are so many people that are talented and gifted and that want your position. Mm. And I think- a hard work ethic, a strong work ethic is the only thing that's gonna keep pushing you through.
0: Mm. So how do you measure success? What is success like to you?
1: I think I've learned over the years that success is being able to do what you love every single day as a means of survival. So if you're lucky enough that your job is something you genuinely love, Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: to me is success. Being able to hustle, in your working day. So like have something that you're focusing on, but be able to have that balance where you can spend time with your loved ones mm. and make time for memories and moments of the people that you cherish the most. Mm-hmm. That is success for me.
0: So if you want to cram productivity into every minute of your day, because I'm very similar mm. to the point, if I ever try and take it easy on myself one day, go, I'm just not going to go hundred miles an hour today. I actually end up having a bit of a shit day because I feel like a bit guilty. Oh, okay. Oh, And I just want to get to the point where I'm not so precious over every minute coming to count towards my big goals. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like you've got the good balance. And when it gets to 11, 11 on the clock, my biggest wish all the time is, is balance. Mm. Because I know I don't have much of that. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. But that's a question I've got for you.
1: I think you go through phases. Mm. I think there was definitely a phase in my life where I was like, right, no holidays. Can't book anything this year. Need to be focused, need to do this, need to be sending out audition tapes like every day. I need to be emailing everybody. Yeah, there were times where I was literally walking around the streets with a CV in my hand, like a CD that I'd <laughs> like burnt off with me singing on, going around to agencies, knocking on doors and handing them out. Wow. I was doing all of that stuff and mm. I was so tunnel visioned that I didn't see time for anything else. Like, mm. exactly what you're saying. I was like, every minute of this day mm. needs to be working towards it. But then thankfully I got to a point where I was like, okay, now I'm starting to see the fruits of my labor. I'm getting to a position that I could only have dreamed of. And now it's like, like you said, where does it end? Because you can get to a point where you're like, okay, I've got here now, but now it's the next. And and I feel like there's there's a level of that, which is good. I feel like you should always be ambitious. Like I'm definitely still ambitious Mm. and I still want to achieve things, but I've chilled on it a bit, like I'm kind of like, okay, yes, there's time for that. But also, what is the point of having all that success and having nobody to share it with? Mm. That's my thing.
0: Would you say financial security plays a big that part because I've noticed that with me a lot recently where I'm starting to go, mm, I'm a little bit more secure than, than mm. I once was. And therefore I can start to try and pick and choose the opportunities. But then what you do is sometimes though, like right, literally you can go start a business, right? Mm. And pretty much risk everything that you've got yeah. Into a business, do you that? So it's all kind of relevant. Does that make sense? I'm thinking, right. So everything's secure over here, but I've gone and tried to drive here now. Mm. And so when everything else is going well, this one thing here could actually <laughs> be the issue that stops that. Do you know what I mean? So it's. All, I think being financially secure for me is a big tick box. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then getting to the point where everything else is a bonus. And there was been a, there are a couple of times now I walk around my house and go, I'm actually content here now. I don't yeah. live, I don't live in a mansion. I haven't got a Ferrari, Mm -hmm. but I do have a nice car and I live in a nice home and I've got a beautiful dog. And if I'm honest, I spend my weekends just walking my dog anyway, going to the local cafe and just what I don't really live a flashy life. No, I do like to have nice things and I'm shooting in Boodles. Um, (laughs) But in actual fact, do I need millions? No, No, I don't, do you know what I mean? But if the millions come as a byproduct of doing something that I love,
1: yeah, then, then that's you're not funny, gonna right? complain, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like your foundation has to be solid. Mm. Like I've always said, I, genuinely, like I could lose everything that I've built today. Like I could lose all the profile, all the jobs that I'm doing, whatever. That could all go. But you could just put me in a house, literally mm. with my loved ones, with my family, good food, <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, and I'd be happy. Mm. Genuinely, I would be content with that. All of this stuff now is a plus. This is like, I wait. And it's funny because I always feel like I'm living in the plus. I never feel like relaxed. Like I'm never just like, oh, this is always going to be here. I always just think, let me lap up every second of this now, because I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't take any of it for granted. I'm not like, oh yeah, in five years I'm going to do this and I'm going to, yeah, this house will still be here and I can do another TV show and I can, no, I I don't think that way. I'm always like, what do I need to do to secure things and make sure that I'm all right and have multiple like revenue streams so that if that doesn't work, I can fall back on something else and I can still be happy and I can still do what I love. Those are the things now that I measure as success more than anything else. I used to think it was something else and now that I'm in it, it's completely changed.
0: I love that. Just being grateful for when things are, when times are good. Because sometimes when times are good, I'm going, when's this going to go wrong? Shit's going to (laughs) go wrong soon. When in actual fact, just go, just ride this wave. Just enjoy it while it's here. Because life comes in waves and there's this um, quote from, uh, I think it was like Robert De Niro or Mm. Tom Hanks when they sat on the table, they go, this too shall pass. When things are going really well, this too shall pass. When things are going shit, this too shall pass. And literally beginning of this year, it was probably... The lowest I've been in a long time. Mm. I had to make some big business decisions. I had to change things around, mainly because I was back sober again, and it meant mm-hmm. that I had the confidence to deal with a lot of stuff. But honestly, now I've gone through that little period. It was really tough, and now I'm coming out the other side. and riding this wave at the minute mm. where things are going really well.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm walking around a little bit like my mind sometimes tries to create problems. <laughs> yeah. I, I catch i catch like sabotaging. I, I deal with one thing and I'm, I'm trying to focus. I'm actually trying to find a problem sometimes. I'm like, you know what, Scott. Things are going well right yeah. now. Ride this wave and just embrace it. Um, and I think I just learned something from you then in terms of just being in the moment and being grateful and just lapping it up, lapping mm. it up. I like that.
1: You have to, like, it's funny because my husband is like the best motivator oh, he's unbelievable. Like, in my life. You've spoken to us as well, right? He's
0: like, he's like Mr. Miyagi, like, <laughs> or he's like the Messiah. We had dinner recently. Yeah. I've never been so engaged in a conversation with someone. And I said that when I left because I'm not, I don't drink anymore. I was like, that's the one table. The conversation was that good that yeah. I could have stayed there all night. But yeah, he, he seems so balanced and so controlled. Big shout out to Marcel. It's Marcel, yeah. right? Big um, up, Marcel. Go cool. on, tell us a little bit about Marcel. <laughs> he just knows how to ground me in a lot of
1: situations. Like I might be complaining about something because the thing is, you know, like you get frustrated. We all have frustrations. Like over the course of a day, I might have like five things to do and I'll come home and I'll just be like, oh my God, it's so annoying. I've got to edit this thing and then I've got to go do this. And he'll sometimes just check me and he'll go, "Flirt, you're that girl from Wolfhamstow. E17, you grew up in this working class family household, shared a bedroom with your sister your whole life. Mm -hmm. Look at where you are. Like just look at where you are. Think back to that girl that was going around, handing out a CV and think if she could see you where you are now, what she would be thinking. And anytime he just gives me that check in again with myself, I go, do you know what? Yeah, what am I even moaning about? Like. Really and truly, yes, I've come a very long way and I've worked very hard to get here and I should just be enjoying this. But it's hard as well to do that. Like once you've got, you've achieved a goal and you get to a certain level, then you have a new set of problems. It's like every level has a new devil, right? Mm. You get to this next one, you're like, okay, conquered that one. Oh, but there's these issues here. Get to the next level. There's these issues here. And that's why I think like what you were saying earlier, when you're ambitious and you're competitive, it's difficult to be content at where you are Cause you're constantly like, hold on, what's the next one? And what's the next one? Mm. But when you conquer each thing, you do realize no matter what stage you are in life, you're gonna have issues at whatever that stage is. Mm. So you've got to learn to be present in that moment and whatever level you're at, find find like the gold in that. Mm. Because it's like, you could go up a level, you could go down a level. But as long as your like foundation is solid, then it doesn't really matter what changes around you.
0: Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting um, because one thing that shines through with you is how grounded you are. And it's almost like you just know who you are. And I think Marcel is one of those people. The reason mm. why I was laughing when you were talking because it was almost like <laughs> you were sat across from the table. You don't know what the conversation was happening, but you're like, Scott's getting checked because I was literally moaning. <laughs> I was moaning about trivial stuff. Like, honestly, he was just checking me. Yeah, but yeah. bro, like chill. Look, do you know what I mean? I was like, it was like therapy. I didn't want to leave him. Yeah. And I, I can just because I thought, <laughs> Fleur just like basically sometimes because you take someone somewhere mm. and I can just tell that you are so confident with whatever he's talk about that it's a positive, good conversation. And, and that's exactly what was happening. Mm. I was getting checked, and I think I need that a lot of the time. And I've been doing it recently where I've been looking back because I was um a massive party boy. Mm. I did a post recently on Instagram where I reposted a lot of old pictures of me in a nightclub. Off yeah, my, I saw that. I'm yeah. off my face. I'm, I'm crazy, Scott. And if that Scott knew that I was here now doing a self development podcast, <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have believed it. In fact, he probably would have believed it because I always knew what my, my potential was. Yeah,
1: but you uh, just couldn't get out of that I phase. I couldn't get out
0: of the. I couldn't get out of uh, the, the cycle, mm. being trapped in the cycle. And I think that's the biggest thing. Once you get out of it, you remove yourself from certain people, situations. Mm-hmm. Then your life starts opening up. And I think for anyone listening who does feel trapped in a situation or like they're going to lose the friends if yeah. they make a decision to stop doing this or that, whatever it is. Trust me, if you do make a decision and go down that route, then quickly life starts to bring you the things that you need. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: And the right people will still be there. Yeah. The right people will be there.
0: They do, yeah. Because I've got some friends who when I, like, for example, first stopped drinking, like I didn't spend as much time with them, mm. but they always stayed close. And now they're coming around to the sobriety thing themselves mm. and changing their lives That's interesting it, it's, it's, it's crazy man um, and like you said the good ones s- stick around yeah they do so as you may know british triathlon are sponsoring this podcast and that means on the 29th of july in sunderland i'm going to be doing my first ever sprint triathlon that's a 750 meter swim a 20k bike ride and a 5k run and it might sound daunting but trust me it's achievable So many of you have already signed up, but I've got a few spaces left and you need to make the most of it. You will get your very own training plan in collaboration with Training Peaks. And that means we've got three solid months to work on this together. So don't miss out and get yourself signed up using my discount code LEARNING25 and the link in my stories or in the episode notes. But let's talk about how I actually first met you. And, me. and that was through our adam um, Yeah. so adam did a show with you called don't rock the boat yes which is sounds like a horrific show because you were basically <laughs> I
1: mean, it was pretty horrific
0: you were honest. rowing um what were you rowing? the channel we were rowing from the south of britain
1: to the north of britain oh my so God. we started in like cornwall and we ended like off the coast of Scotland Mm. and we were just rowing day and night and me and Adam were paired together. So we were like in our pair and we had to row two hours on and sleep for two hours constantly all throughout the night. So we spent a lot of time together. Like we spoke about hopes and dreams and everything, you know? And we just, yeah, we got on so well.
0: Yeah, I'm just laughing because with the the Thomas brothers, (laughs) if one of us likes someone or loves someone, that's it, they're in. (laughs) And you just know yeah. you're going to buy it. It doesn't matter. Like, And we talked about this at dinner, didn't we? we said, Ryan's really bad for it. If like, we love someone, Ryan tries to make that person their best friend because <laughs> he's so close to us, he wants to be close to this person. But I know during that time when you did that show, you just lost your dad, didn't you? Yes. Around that time. Yes, months um, before. Uh, it Was it during lockdown, was it? Yeah,
1: exactly. So it
0: mustn't, I think our dad was still alive at the time because yes. I remember our Adam, my dad watching our Adam on that show, but I think it was a couple of years after it. Mm. Um, but well, talk me through that. Were you, were you close with
1: your dad? Oh, so close. Like mm. incredibly close. And um, it's always that cliche thing of you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Mm. But genuinely, you just kind of go through life mm. and you just think the people that you love will always be there.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, I don't know why. We will just think this. Until you've lost someone, you have this weird... Belief, like this magical belief that the people you love, especially your parents anyway, will always be there. You never expect that, they, that they're gonna mm. leave, that they're gonna go. And it was such a shock to my system. And I remember actually doing Don't Rock the Boat with Adam and I was talking to Adam about my dad. And I was just saying, my whole perspective on life has completely changed. And even that changed my view of what success is because losing someone you love so dearly like my dad was everything to me absolutely everything and there's been a massive hole like a void ever since he's gone Mm -hmm. I just feel just not the same just Mm -hmm. incomplete incomplete since he's left me I even had like a moment of guilt towards like doing music anymore because he was the person that sparked my love of music and he was always my biggest fan and at every gig and in the front of every show and as soon as I started singing again I was like oh this feels weird to do this without my dad but then I had a new sense of I don't know like zest for life again because I was like you could go any day anyone could go any day I want to seize every moment I want to enjoy every moment I want to be so present in every moment and also you place less value on things that aren't important So like we were saying, like when you get to the industry, like, oh, I need to, this is a new goal. I need to achieve this. I need to hit this financial goal. And actually when my dad died, I was like, all the things he was worried about, anything financial, anything material, the minute he left this earth, it was irrelevant. It was irrelevant. And I would trade anything, any material thing in my life to have him back. And as soon as you feel that, genuinely there is nothing else that holds more importance than the people that you love and the memories that you cherish those things have so much more currency than any job any contract any business anything Mm. and I just I just walked through life so differently after I lost my dad in a completely different way
0: wow that just got me man Um, it makes so much sense and I was going to ask you what your new perspective was but there's clearly that and it's hard not to lose that perspective though, when you get back, when a moment like that happens, mm. it's hard to not go back to your old ways or yeah, your old I get way of thinking, but it sounds like you've managed to stick with that. Is that because it means, obviously it meant so much to you, like, in terms of when you do have the opportunity to go and spend time with your friends or your family, or you know you've got a massive money-making opportunity mm. over here, how do you stay focused on what's most important? I keep my loved ones around me.
1: Like I just do, I work with my husband a lot. Like I think ever since losing my dad, my husband's a lot more involved in what I do work wise now Mm. because we just got so much closer. And by being able to work with him, I can spend more time and have more moments with him. My sister's my makeup artist. So she's always around me each and every day. And my mum, I just started doing things where like, I'd go and pick my mum up and just bring her around for the weekend. Like there was one time she came out and she stayed for like three days. She was meant to just come for like an evening. And I was just like, mom, just, you just chill, you just stay. You know, like we'll just spend the time together. And then we did like a massive birthday for her, for her 60th and had a lovely meal. And it was just like, all of those moments were so, so precious. And I think, I just, I can't explain it, but when you have such a devastating loss, like that, like to someone who you don't even realize until they're gone is literally like makes up the fabric of who you are as a human being. Like, I didn't realize how important my father was to me. I know mm. you always say like, oh yeah, my mom and dad are my everything, but you don't realize until they're gone mm. how important they really are. Mm. And as soon as he was gone, I was like, I want to live every day making him proud. And I want to show the people that I love genuinely how much I do care because I remember the night that my dad passed away I was filming Saturday Night Takeaway actually and there were times and this is so important to say there were times where I'd be working and my mum or dad would call and I'd be like oh not right now like I'm doing something they're gonna ask 20 million questions I haven't got time for that and that day for some reason and I was literally in the middle of filming my dad was calling me and I answered I was just like, all right, I'll pick up. And I was like, hey, dad. Just in the middle of filming, and we had a conversation for like half an hour. And driving home that night from filming Saturday Night Takeaway, I was texting my dad. And we were just messaging and he was like, "I've, I've recorded you, darling, and I'm gonna watch you in the morning. And I was like, oh, thanks, dad. And I said goodnight to him. And I was like, love you. And he replied and he was like, love you. And that wasn't something we said a lot. Like I knew my dad loved me. He showed us so much love but saying I love you wasn't something we would usually say. And I just, something told me to just say it in that message, I don't know why. And I, just, I was just like, love you, dad. And he was like, love you. And that was the last interaction I had with him. And I was like, imagine I never answered the phone. Imagine I didn't take the time to message my dad. Like forever, I would have that regret forever. And I'm just so grateful that I took that time and I think when you, when you realize that those moments are so precious and you can't take them back, everybody in your life, you just always take that moment to text them. you always take that moment to call them. And all this fame stuff and all the career stuff is good and it's great because I get to treat the people that I love, but mm. those aren't the things that are, that are important to me. Mm. And I think my losing my dad taught me that
0: do you know what? It's, it's just made me um, think about my mum because obviously I've still got my mum and my mum rings me all the time and I have to be in the right mood to That's what point. I mean. Yeah, you get
1: to the point, you're like,
0: oh. I have to be in the right mood to answer my mum. But with my dad, like I'm so blessed because I didn't see my dad all the time. I didn't spend that much time with him. But the last mm. six months of his life, he lived with me. Oh, And it's wow. weird because I was actually sober that year, first time, so I actually had more to give. I would never probably have let him live with me if I was like... If you were out. If right. I was out being... I was a bit selfish but because I was in a good place. I had more to give. Mm. So I let him live with me and we had the best six months. Like, and it was like meant to be because he's lived with Adam, he's lived with Ryan mm. and then he, he lived with me. And we had some magical times. One thing that really stands out, I used to I say to my dad, because I was like in great shape. He used to call me the body. That's his year I got into great shape. I used to <laughs> the walk around the house. He used to call me the body all the time. <laughs> and I walked around the house and I was doing, I was spinning so many plates and I was making so many good things happen. And my dad would say, I love you a lot, but he wouldn't say I'm proud of you. Mm. He never did with me and the boys, it was weird. And I was walking around the kitchen and I, I stopped and he was staring at me and I went, dad, what do you think of me? Like just wanting <laughs> to say, I'm proud of you. Yeah. And this, make, this will make you laugh. And he turned around and he went, I think you take too much on son. <laughs> And you know what? Yeah, this
1: is going to be the moment. Yeah, I it. thought it was going to be I the moment.
0: I take too much on. And, and, and he was bang on, right? Because even to this day, I go, what did my dad leave me with? Oh you leave me with two quotes. Life's a game. He used to say, life's a game, son, which is right. Mm. In terms of business, mm. life, you get to one level, then you need to get to the next. And you need to treat it with fun and not get too emotional about it. Yeah. And then also you take too much on. That always stands out with me. But my, my my last conversation with my dad was completely different to so yours. Mine was like, <laughs> I rang him up and went, this is typical Scott. I, I went to the office and I thought, I couldn't find my key or something. I was like, dad, where's my key? I said, I, I think I've left it up there downstairs. He went, he went, oh, I'll check for you later. I went, dad, no, go and check now, I need it now. And he went downstairs, It's not there, son. Uh, and that was one of the last kind of conversations I had with him it just yeah. sums up my mentality. And I'm trying my hardest to slow down mm. and appreciate those moments. Um, like this weekend, I know I'm due a family weekend. Mm-hmm. I had a great one the other weekend for Easter Sunday, and I'm due. Adam, my twin brother. I obviously, yeah. know Adam, Adam's like Scott. I'm a senior this weekend, like because he's he's got the family around him. I'm a, like yeah. a single, um, single lonely guy. Um no. but I know Adam. Like, <laughs> some, but Adam knows. Sometimes he checks me. He goes like, "Am I seeing you this weekend?" That's his way of going. Like, come on, family time oh, now. That's nice. Um, but I just talk so much from that, like what you just said then, because we know these things. But the way you just described it then was just so bang on. Like every time I see someone ring who I don't think (laughs) is business related or it's going to be a big moment for me, it's like you almost put it off. But those
1: relationships are so important. And I think, you know, the amount of phone calls you put off because, oh, you're in a meeting or you've got this thing, this project and you need to keep so laser focused or you don't spend time with your family because you're so like in the zone and working hard. And then cool, you'll get there. Mm. But then what fun is that going to be? Oh, well now you're going to call them. Mm. They'll be like, hey, do you want to come and enjoy my new house or do you want to? And they'll be like, where have you been?
0: Yeah, you're right. Do you know right. what I mean? It's you're like, right.
1: And what is it? What is the importance of that now? Like, yeah, okay, you've achieved that. But now who are you sharing that with? Who who your memory is going to be with? Mm. You know, like. The, I but I, know,
0: but I justify success and wealth to me is like, I want to get here. I want to create generational wealth for my family and look after them. And- yeah. And I've had it recently where a couple of my pals have asked me to lend money or my friends. Do you know what I mean? And and it's a good, I feel-
1: It's nice to be able to do that. To be able to
0: do that. Like, because I I love my dad's a bits, but he didn't leave us with anything. Mm. And I want to be the person in my family that creates that for the the future. My nephews, my nieces, my my kids, hopefully one day. So there's something, but I don't know if I'm just justifying myself with that. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: because I think that's important. And don't get me wrong. Yes, like we all want to be able to have that financial stability and to be able to support- our families and like I don't have children yet mm. but I think the same way that you do I think or mm. well, I want to leave my children with something that can start them in their lives or yeah create that generational wealth that I didn't have like growing up I'd mm. love to be able to provide that for my future children mm. but you don't want it to rule you to the point where you've got nothing else mm. like you know you don't want to be so driven to the point where it's like I mean, mm. what else have you got at night? Like mm. once you finish your business meetings for the day and you're, and you're in bed, I mean, what else is there?
0: And I get you know? it. And one thing, I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you before, but and it's something that really gives me peace is that obviously I lost my dad, but I always, I don't actually feel like I've lost him. I feel like he's always with mm, me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I feel like more than anyone else in my life, I feel like I, me and my brothers as well, we are, we are all our dads. Yeah. And I feel like with you as well, like I, I never had the, the privilege of meeting him, but everything you are must have been mm. him because he had such an impact on your life. Do you find peace in that?
1: Yeah, I do. And I think one of my most recent like interactions was when I did Strictly. And my dance partner, Vito, said to me in one rehearsal, he said, I feel like I know your dad. And I was like, That's what, what I was just thinking. Now and was thinking. he was like, you've spoken so much about him and told me so much that I almost feel like I've met him and I know his mannerisms and that things he would react to, I I kind of think I would know how he'd react. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then that to me was such a huge compliment because I was like, you must see him in me. And I must've like painted such a great picture of my dad and kept him alive so much so that you think that you know him. Do you know what I mean? I
0: just think because you're such a beautiful person Mm. and you took so much from him, he lives on through you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You. And if you met yeah. my dad and you see Ryan, for example, Ryan is like <laughs> yeah. his clone. Now then, he walks in and he does all these mannerisms, and, and it's just like it's funny, isn't it? It's so it's so funny to see. But listen, you've um you've you've had an amazing career, and you've got so much going on at the minute. Mm. Uh, obviously, you're doing hits radio, you're presenting, you've uh, got new music mm-hmm. out, um, you've got new like collaborations with brands and stuff. Like, what is the next big goal for you? over the next say five years, or mm. is it what we talked about just to just flow and just everything's a bonus?
1: To flow and everything's a bonus. But I mean, within that, I still kind of have a bit of a structure. Like, okay. Like the dream would be to be able to have like my own show, to be able to do, like merge all my passions. So to be able to host it, interview people, like get to know what makes them tick. Cause I love to learn about people. And to be able to perform and do what I love, all within one thing, that would be like the dream. Ooh. So I'm chipping away and doing all the things that I love in different areas and hoping that the grand plan is one day, all of those things will come together.
0: That would be a sick show.
1: Yeah, I'd love something but like that. But you're
0: already doing like Saturday Night Takeaway, yeah. which is one of the biggest shows. And yeah. you've been
1: away as well? Yeah, we went to Universal yeah. in Orlando
0: for the it, final show and it was it, incredible even just working with like Anton Deck and, Dec and, yeah. and one, of, like one of the biggest shows and stuff and travelling the world doing stuff like that yeah. yeah are they like pinch me moments for you still constantly
1: that's what I'm saying I never get comfortable I'm never at the point where I'm just like oh yeah I made it now I got this
0: I'm like Anton Deck I grew up watching Anton and Deck and then I'm there doing a show with them there's not many people in life that I get starstruck by, but them two are yeah. still like, wow, levels. Yeah, they're like legends in the TV game. They really are, but you are a legend. And I just want to say, honestly, for this podcast has been everything I thought it would be and more. You just got the best energy. And like I said, because Adam loves you, I already loved you anyway. <laughs> but you've really shown a side to you on this podcast today that's kind of, I've learned a lot from. And you've given me a new perspective and I'm going to ring my mum after this. Yeah, so I'm gonna, ring I, your mom. I'm going to ring my brothers. I'm going to try and stay, I'm going to try and lap it up.
1: Yeah. I'm going to
0: lap up every I'm going to lap up this moment today with you. And I just want to say thank you so much. And also your dad would be so proud of you. Oh, thank Amazing. you so much. Thank Thanks you. for having me on. I've Here's loved it. Oh my God, that was crazy. I don't know about you, but I feel like I needed that episode. I needed that conversation because Fleur's has just given me a bit of a reset on my perspective i need to call my family more i need to make time for my friends and i need to just chill life is good and i need to lap it up when life is good as well it's such an insightful conversation and i really respect how honest she was about the relationship with her dad and how she dealt with his death and everything else and i hope that's going to help so many of you as well going through something similar but again i want to say thank you to you everybody who supports this podcast everybody who follows subscribes it really does make a difference so please keep it coming I just love doing this, by the way. I love it every single week. And I'm going to be back next week with another phenomenal guest. So I will see you then to learn another life lesson with learning as I go.